great to see you here this morning. My name is Charlie. I'm here um, on the staff team at Southwest. Um, really big welcome to you if you're new. It's great to have you with us. Um, this morning, um, I've just got about 10 minutes just to share a bit about youth and a bit about Alpha and Youth Alpha, which starts in a couple of weeks. Um, but before I start, I want to just, there's some people um, in this room who are my youth team, who um, are incredible people who serve, have been serving for like some of them for years, and they serve um, like each week, week in, week out. And I just want to really like honor them before we start. So um, are the Cottons here? Maybe they're not here. Uh, the Urquharts, Matt and Beck, they're, they're back there. Uh, Camilla, I can see you. Ross Taylor, is he here? Um, I just, and Rosie, so I just, I just want to like name those people and just honor them um, because they just work, they work like serve on youth week in, week out and just want to say thanks to you guys for what you do in front of um, everyone here on the Sunday morning, so thank you. Um, I actually want to start by showing a video uh, because I think it will slightly communicate what Youth Alpha is better than I can even say it, so let's watch that together. Okay, you rolling? Okay, we're going to scare Jason with this spider. Come on, we're going to get him back. Watch it! Guys, this is a film set. You got it. Oh. Tons of things happen in our lives every day. And in a 24-hour period, we ask ourselves so many different questions. Like, what should I eat? What should I wear? Or who should I hang out with? Sometimes we ask bigger questions, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Who will I marry? Or where will I live? But every once in a while, we ask ourselves those even bigger questions. Questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And is there more to life than this? The reality is, there aren't a lot of places we can go to explore life's biggest questions. So on Alpha, we want to create a space where we can talk about those kind of questions in a way that's open and honest. In each one of our hearts, it's like we have a happiness bucket that we're constantly trying to fill. It can sound like this. If I just had uh, more money or nicer clothes or a new girlfriend, then I'd be happy. The nights would come and the girls would be gone. Like, they'd be just me, you know, me and I guess God, right? And I'm like, okay, there's definitely more to life than this. Like, I just want, I want, I want, I want, and you don't get anything. There's this deeper, even spiritual hunger that we're all trying to satisfy. As someone who grew up in an atheistic home, I wasn't just going to accept what he was going to say. So I was like, okay, did this actually happen historically? What's the evidence? I'm not going to just buy into something because I get swept up in the emotion of it. You have approximately 570,000 hours left to live. And we want to invite you to spend less than 24 of them with us on Alpha. So I thought that could maybe slightly explain better than I can. Um, so um, starting in two weeks, um, um, all the youth um, and me and the leaders will be going down and doing that every week for the next 13 weeks. And those two Canadian um, guys there, they um, started the whole thing, the Youth Alpha thing. They took the Alpha material, I don't know how many years ago, um, and kind of were like, this is amazing material, but let's slightly adapt it for um, teenagers. Um, and they made these videos kind of off their own back. Um, and then Alpha, um, here in London, pick, picked up on it, realized what they'd done, and said, um, yeah, we'd love, to, we'd love to give you some money to actually make them like, um, some really, really like, high-quality, high-production videos, and they've done an amazing job. 
so that is amazing that we have that we have those videos to watch. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my story and like why I'm um, one of my roles here is um, at this church is as a as a youth pastor and like why where my passion um, came from for that and um, it really happened when I was uh, 14 or 15 and um, um, or 16 I can't remember teen, teenage age and um, at my church growing up I had my, my youth worker he met with me um, there was a period of like a year and a half or something or two years where he would meet, he would meet with me every, every month every like three or, three or four weeks and we'd spend time together and he'd just, he just literally get the bible out and we'd read through some of the gospels or some of Paul's letters together and um, he was like how do you how do you want to do this do you want to you know like read through like five chapters every every time we meet up uh, but I, I was like I couldn't take that in so we basically go through it was really slow and painstaking for him probably but it was probably we'd probably go through like 10 verses in like an hour and I'd every like word I'd be like why is that why is that what like I'd be asking so many questions that's probably a nightmare looking back but um I love the fact that he it, the way it impacted me was that he gave me his time it was regular, um, it was routined, and he, he asked me how I wanted to do it. He, he didn't just go, go away with his thing, he actually asked my input. Um, and I think some of those times with him, and being able to ask those questions, which, you know, do I, is this even true, or why is it like that? That seems stupid. Um, being able to just be honest with my questions was really, really valuable. Um, and I think that, that being valued by him and being invested into um, planted a seed in my heart of wanting to do the same when I was, I don't know, when I left uni or even during uni and when I left uni. Um, so that's what I've done for the last four years, um, been, been a youth worker. Um, and um, I think what I'm trying to communicate here is, is the, value, the value of this alpha course and the youth alpha is the value of questions. And um, it just gives us a chance to question like, maybe a bit bigger than sometimes we, we think. It's not just, what is the Bible, what is Jesus? It's like, why do we even, what is life all about? And we can just take a step back, and I think it gives us a, a way, um, it just gives us freedom to explore. And that's why I love the Youth Alpha material, because the whole way through it's questions, discussion, and answers, um, and just chatting together to work out what the truth is, like, what, what is life all about? Why does, how does Jesus actually affect my everyday life? Yeah, I understand He's there on a Sunday, but what, what is it about him that makes him relevant when I'm in my day-to-day, -day, like the 95% of life that he, he sometimes doesn't seem to really permeate? Um, and I think the truth is now, like I was at school 10 years ago, but the truth now is that I think our young people have it so much harder than I had it even 10 years ago, like with mobile phones, um, the pressure of exams, the pressure to kind of know what I'm doing straight away and know my purpose. Um, maybe there's a lot of confusion around identity and some of that's kind of good, it's bringing identity to the forefront, but it's, it's also confusing and it's a bit of a, bit of a swirl, I think. Um, and I think there's a real value in, like I'm saying, the discussion of saying, how does Jesus actually help me with my phone? How does Jesus help me in my exams? How does he help me know what my purpose is? And is it something higher than just my exams? How does he help me know what my identity is? What, how, what is my identity in, in Christ Jesus? What does it actually mean? Like, those are just words. What do they actually mean in practice? Um, so those are some of the things we're going we're gonna to look at this term. Um, I guess my vision for, for youth and this surrounding area is that um, we're, on, there's, there's just, we're in the middle of an estate here, and I'd love, my dream would be to see lots of young people come into youth and be able to ask those bigger questions from like all backgrounds, um, all ages, and just it's be a place where all, all sorts of people can come and be welcomed. Um, and 
so that is the vision for youth, and we're, we're, we're definitely not there yet, but um, I'm praying and dreaming into that for the future. Um, so please do pray with us and join with us for that, for that vision as well. Um, I think I want to... Um, what I actually want to do to, to finish was to... Um, my youth are going to kill me for this, but... Um, guys, there at the back, can you come up to the front? Because I basically want to pray for you and get the church to pray for you. And also, if you're a youth leader, um, I'd also ask you to come up as well because we just want to pray for you guys as well. Um, I just think it's really important. And like um, that guy who I met up with is called Alan. I met him up um, with, I met up with him. Guys, come up as I'm talking, yeah. Um, come up to the front. Come on. You can do it. <laughs> Man back. Camilla, Ross, Matt and Lydia, Rosie, if you're here. And they're coming. Okay, good. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Um, yeah, the, like um, that guy who used to read the Bible with, um, when I was 18, he told me, he told us he'd been praying for us on his commute. He'd pray for us like every day. And, and that really bowled me over that he was like so consistent with his prayer. Um, do, you to, do you want to jump down here? Is that right? Sorry. <laughs> um, and I, just, I was bowled over by his, the consistency of his prayer and like he would do it every day. And that's a real challenge for me and it really impacted me. So I, I just want to, I think the power of prayer is, is crazy and I want to just pray for you guys because that's the best thing we can do. Um, so can we have just uh, people come up um, and just surround these guys? I'm just going to pray for them. Um, so yeah, come and do that now. Great, and just start praying. And if, we're not, if you're not coming up, like, let's just take it as an opportunity to pray for them as well. Let's not um, zone out. Let's stay tuned in. And this is an opportunity for us as a church just to bless these guys, um, the youth workers and our, our youth as well. So, yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing in all of these lives here. God, we just welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. Just, just fill them up right now. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for how you cherish them, for your plans for their lives. I ask that you'd uh, pour into them a freedom to live life um, unburdened by the, the things the world sometimes tries to, 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 to burden us with, God. Show them the truth of who you are, Jesus. I pray that they'll grow up knowing their sons and daughters of the living God, sure of who they are and their identity in you, Christ Jesus. Thank you that your plans for their lives are better and um, more perfect than, than we could ever dream, God. And life with you is, is an adventure, is exciting, and is so worth it. So yeah, just come, Holy Spirit. Come and pour out. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus.
We just declare we set them apart, God, for your purposes. And we ask they'll just walk in step with you, knowing you as their father, and that you are for them, that you love them. They are not alone in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, my name's Joe, uh, this is Becky, and uh, these are our two of our lovely daughters here, and there's another one at the back, there's probably another one somewhere else, I don't know how many daughters we got, but we got very, very many scattered around the church, and um, we're here to talk to you a little bit about Alpha this morning. You've probably heard about Alpha, um, this is the first slide here, I've actually never seen this guy on TV, but you may have done, I think he's like a wilderness guy, he grills bears or something like that. Um, but the Alpha course is, is, if you haven't heard of it, it's roughly a 12-week introduction to the Christian faith. It covers the basics of, of what we believe. And it was started several decades ago, in fact, by uh, one of the leaders at a church in central London called Holy Trinity Brompton, uh, known to its friends as HDB. And it was a class that they used to help welcome people and enfold them into the church, into the life of the church. And um, it was so successful that it's now been run in thousands of churches in the UK, in fact, tens of thousands of churches worldwide, and over two million people in the UK have been on the course. Now, I'm a complete numbers nerd, um, so I worked out this morning that if you meet 20 people at random somewhere, say on a bus or in a room full of people, the chances are better than 50% that at least one of them has been on the Alpha course. I mean, that's quite amazing penetration into the population in this country as well as around the world. So why has it grown from strength to strength? Why is it so successful? Well, the first reason is it's, it's really fun. It's run in a very fun and easy, open, relaxed manner. It begins with food. People gather. They can chat and get to know each other a little bit. And then there's a talk uh, which is actually presented by a set of well-produced videos uh, that's given by the current vicar of HTB, this guy called Nicky Gumbel. It's very well presented, um, it's simple, it's informative, it's sometimes challenging. It's peppered with real life examples and testimonies of people uh, that have been impacted by Jesus one way or another. From one extreme, there's like a Catholic bishop guy who lives in the Vatican and is, I think he's the personal um, pastor to the Pope, effectively. At the other end of the spectrum, there's a guy who used to be one of Britain's most no notorious violent criminals that um, you know, had to be in a special type of cell because he'd basically eat everybody he came across, as far as I could tell, or beat them up or whatever. Um, and everybody in between. There's some normal people too, not at the, those extremes. But um, there's, there's individual testimonies of people who've encountered Jesus and have received his message of love and forgiveness and have been changed as a result. I think another reason it's quite successful is it's very non-judgmental, the whole approach to it. It's not about, this is what we believe, you must believe it too. Um, we respect everybody's opinions, 
and anyone can ask literally any question. We've had some quite fascinating questions. The most extreme I remember was, what about the aliens? Um, which sort of threw me a bit, because it's not one that had come up in conversation chatting with people before. But I've thought about it since, but you'll have to come to you know, talk to me some other time about that one. Maybe we'll have a sermon series on the aliens. How about that? Um, so we don't claim to have all the answers, but after the talk, we break into small groups, dis discussion groups, and just talk about the ideas that have been presented and see what everybody thinks about it. And the sort of questions that are addressed is, who is Jesus? Why did he die? Um, can the Bible be trusted? Why and how do we pray? Does God heal today? Things like that. The highlight of the course is a block of talks in the middle of it, which focus on the Holy Spirit, who the Sp Holy Spirit is and what he does, um, which is, yeah, for many people, the highlight of the talks, when the whole thing comes alive and we understand how it is that God actually interrupt, interacts with us on a daily basis. Because Jesus, though we say he's here with us, um, I don't spot him in the audience today. Every now and again, the guy comes who's got quite long hair and sandals, but he's not Jesus, he's Josh. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a low-pressure kind of thing. People aren't forced to come. They're not pestered if they decide to leave halfway through, if you decide it's, it's not for me. And nobody's forced to give money. Nobody's forced to swear allegiance to Becky or anything. I've done that. That was a different story. Um, but, uh, you know, nobody is relieved of the responsibility to decide for themselves what they think about this man, Jesus, and his claims. And, um, yeah, many people's lives have been changed uh, irrevocably for the better through encountering Jesus through the Alpha Course. So I'm going to pass to Becky now, and she's going to talk a little bit about three people in the New Testament, in the Gospels, in the Bible, three people who encountered Jesus and were impacted as a result. You can tell I'm really used to this, can't you? That's better. I can even hear myself now. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of the, those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 9. Come with me, if you will, to a dinner party. There are noblemen, lawyers, academics, financiers, upstanding members of the community, all sitting around the table, all reclining on armchairs, 
There are servants standing around the room ready to fetch anything anybody wants. There are others in the room too, followers, scholars, hangers-on, and people wanting to learn from the authority figures there. It's a very nice social occasion. The buzz of conversation is overwhelming when all of a sudden a woman enters the room. A single woman enters the room. Quiet and stillness spread over the room as everyone watches as she walks up to the guest of honor, Jesus. We only now notice that she's carrying a huge jar of something. She takes that jar and she smashes open the seal on the top. A strong, heady, pungent aroma fills the room. It's pure nard, or spike nard as it's known. An essential oil that clings to your hair and your skin and gives off a strong smell for days after it has been applied. This anointment, grown from the root of a plant and found in the Himalayas, is highly valued. Spike nard symbolizes the very best in ancient cultures and is worth a lot of money. She's now pouring it all over Jesus' head and body, down to his feet. It would have been the equivalent of taking a large Tiffany diamond and smashing it to pieces with a hammer. But that's not the worst of it. She's now bent over Jesus' feet and crying over them, wiping them with her hair. Spikenard had a unique fragrance and is an indication that the very best has been offered. In Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, it's mentioned in reference to the love between the bride and the groom. Just like Joe tried to reference that with me earlier. The bride says, while the king was at the table, my perfume spread its fragrance. The implication being that of all the perfumes in the room, only the bride's was important to the groom, representing their passion for each other and desire that only the very best would characterize their love. The woman of this story features in all four of the Gospels, so we know that this story has significance. We know that it was required in that culture to anoint the head of the, of the important guest with oil, washing his feet and giving him a kiss on the cheek. These were ordinary courtesies extended to anyone invited to an important dinner. So in some ways, what she did wasn't that unusual. But the extravagance of what she did and how she did it was very unusual, pouring out the oil until nothing was left. When this woman broke this jar and poured the oil over Jesus, she wanted it to represent her love for him and complete devotion to him, to give him the best that she had to offer. This spike nod, it could have been her dowry, it was worth so much money, or it could have been her inheritance, but essentially it was everything that she had to live on, possibly the most expensive thing she owned or had of value, and she poured it all out for him. This is outrageous. It's extravagant, but most of all, it's a picture of what is expected of each of us. Only the best was worthy of her, Lord, and she was willing to give him everything in an extravagant act of worship. But the same is expected of us. Numbers chapter 18, verse 29 said, you must present the Lord's portion, the best and holiest part of everything given to you. 
This woman had no ulterior motive for doing this, no hidden agenda. She had no care to protect her reputation, no fear of the opinion of others, no desire to be approved of by those around her. She poured out her love because she wanted to. Her heart was so full of love for Jesus that she counted, as Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. She staked everything she had on Jesus, basically. And what return did she get for her investment? Recently, Joe and I went to Secret Cinema with some friends here. Um, it was Casino Royale. Anybody know James Bond, Casino Royale? Lots and lots of poker playing. And uh, Secret Cinema was great fun. I do have to recommend it, but you know, that's a side issue. Um, so there we were, they do this whole thing where they kind of set up this story around the film beforehand and you get to interact with some of the characters who are actors dressed up. And, um, and they, lots and lots of poker games were going on in the background. And I got to see Joe in his happy place again. Uh, Joe learned to play poker in Texas, where, of course, you play Texas Hold'em, and he got quite good at it. Um, but this was just a game at Secret Cinema. And he did really well, but luckily, I've never had to see him stake everything we own on a poker game. I've never had to see him give away our car, our house, all our savings, or our pension. But this woman did that. She put everything she had on Jesus. Was it worth it? Well, we know the outcome for her. She has eternal fame throughout heaven and earth. She's more famous even than those celebrity stars that they rolled out on Strictly last night. How's your stake? Have you put everything on Jesus? When she's rejuked by the people in the room for wasting such precious ointment, Jesus silences them. Leave her alone, he says in verse 6. He defends her honor. And he said that, I tell you the truth, Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Why? Because he wants to extend that same invitation to us, to come and do exactly what she did, to fall at his feet and offer him our complete devotion. Jesus knew this oil was intended for his burial, even though she felt completely compelled for, to do this act of preparation for him, preparing the groom, Jesus, for his bride, the church. This metaphor of the church being the bride and Jesus, the groom, is mentioned throughout the Bible, but here in the chapter in Mark, only Jesus understood what he was saying. Only he knew what was coming, that he would be arrested, tried, and crucified. And just maybe, when he felt that whip lashing his body, and the nails hammering through his hands and feet, that maybe he could still smell that fragrance on his skin and remember why he was doing this. Maybe it strengthened and encouraged him throughout that agonizing ordeal as Jesus transitioned from rabbi and teacher to the ultimate sacrifice for the world. This woman saw Jesus. She listened to him, thought through what he said, and believed in him wholeheartedly. 
Her act of anointing Jesus for his death and burial was a witness to everyone in that room at that dinner and ultimately to everyone who has ever read the Bible since about who Jesus is and who he says he is. Another encounter with Jesus in, is in the Gospel of Mark, I want to tell you about, that it tells of the healing of a demon-possessed man. Now, this man lived in the tombs or the cemetery of the town. The demons controlled him, making him vicious and strong and powerful. He often had to be chained up by both his arms and his legs so as not to cause harm to anybody else. But he was so strong from the demons that he tore those chains apart. No one was strong enough to control him. He went about naked night and day, crying out in the hills among the tombs and cutting himself with stones. Then one, Jesus, one day, Jesus came to the area. Mark chapter 5, verse 6 to 20 says, When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus, send me among the pigs, so allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits went out into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much God the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now what I love about this story is what's not said in it. Verse 15 says the man was sitting by Jesus dressed and in his right mind. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Jesus likes to have a bit of a barbecue with fish on the beach with his disciples. He often gets out of a boat and they have a catch of fish and he like cooks it over a fire and they sit around chatting. And maybe that's just me, but I think that's what he likes. So I can, I can just imagine him sitting there on the beach having this little barbecue of fish and having a chat with this guy who's sitting there completely dressed and in his right mind. But the thing is, we've got no idea what they talked about. That's not written down here. We know that the man was fully dressed and in his right mind, revealing that he was completely healed, set free, back to being socially aware of his behavior and conversing as an intelligent person. We also know that when he asked Jesus if he could go with him, to follow him, to be his disciple, Jesus said no. He had something else for him to do. He sent him back to his people and told him, to tell them all that God had done for him. Basically, to tell his story and to be a witness. 
My guess is that when they were having that little chat over their barbecue of fish on the beach, that the man had grown up knowing the scriptures. And Jesus was talking him through those scriptures and telling him how and where Jesus fulfills those scriptures. That's why Jesus made him stay and tell everyone what had happened to him. Not that he needed to learn and follow Jesus wherever he went off in his boat next, but that he already knew the truth and Jesus needed him to be a witness to tell his story. The last story I want to share very briefly is one that gets me every time I read it. It's in Luke chapter three, 23, sorry, and it's at the crucifixion. Jesus is hanging on the cross with the two thieves either side of him. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It gets me every single time. There's no build-up to this. There's no explanation. There's just the simple witness of one man seeing Jesus for who he is, and his belief saves him in those last moments of his life. It didn't matter to Jesus who this person was, what he'd done with his life previously, or what kind of man he was. All that mattered to him was that he believed in him. And then Jesus poured out his mercy. See, it's not our responsibility to make people believe in Jesus, to make them come to him, but it's our job to share ourselves, to tell our story, to tell of what God has done in our lives, and to give the best that we can. We don't even tell Jesus about, uh, tell people, we tell Jesus a lot, but we don't tell people about Jesus on Alpha. We let Nikki Gumbel tell Jesus about Alpha, and we just nod and say yes and, and answer their questions about aliens. To revisit that metaphor of Jesus as the groom and the church being his bride, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So who are you going to invite? To who are you going to say, come? Or maybe it's you who needs a drink from the water of life. But whatever it is, give your best. Thanks, Becky. So come. Come along and join us. We'll be meeting uh, at the same time as the normal Sunday service. Well, actually, not exactly the normal time, because we know what your normal time generally is in here. Um, but we do breakfast first, okay? So there'll be free breakfast, 
and it'll be in the bacon what, what's usually the we youth do lounge. bacon butties okay. the smell of bacon will drift across to torture and torment all those that are in the main service here um, and you, you don't get bacon you can't just come in and steal a bacon sandwich and then come in here okay it doesn't work like that um, so come along come if you've not done it before if you're one of the 58 million who've not been on the Alpha course yet in this country Come if you're new to this church. It's actually a great way of getting to know the church and what we believe and getting integrated in the church. Uh, come if you're new to any church or you've barely set foot in a church and you're starting asking questions, what's, what's this stuff all about? But also, maybe surprisingly to you, you might want to come if you've been a Christian quite a while or you've been in the church quite a while. We did, uh, I did some analysis. Um, this was probably 20 years ago because we were running this Alpha course here 20 years ago in the days where you could do analysis and put data into spreadsheets and didn't get taken to court for it. So I had a spreadsheet, which I've now deleted, of course. It's lost on an old PC in the attic, I think. But I did some analysis of the people that had come on the Alpha course, and we had about 120, I think, over three courses we ran back there in the 90s. Um, the really interesting thing is probably, I think it was 80-something percent of people that come on the Alpha course would say they're Christians. In fact, a lot of them have been Christians for a long time. It's not just a course for people that are inquiring that wouldn't call themselves Christians at this point. Some people like that come along, they enjoy it, they think about it, they make a decision, they maybe give their lives to Jesus, maybe not, that's fine. The majority of people are people that just want a, a regrounding in their faith, um, and it's extremely beneficial for that purpose. I see some people nodding. Um, people, somebody that was on the the class last time we did it here last year. So come along. If you've got questions at all, come and try Alpha. Secondly, invite your friends. I mean, please do. Alpha is not something that Charlie and Joe and Becky are doing. It's something we're doing as a church. So everybody here, I guarantee you've got some friends. Okay, I know some of you are a bit lonely, Tom. I know you could do with a few more friends, but everybody here's got some friends, right? even Tom. And um, the intriguing thing is, I don't think we realize sometimes what's going on under the surface in people's hearts and in their lives. I think we sometimes think such and such a person would be completely shot, shut off, not interested. If we were to risk to open a conversation with them about Jesus, they'd be like, they'd think we're completely nuts. I think we'd be surprised if we engage in conversation with people and invite them to come along. How many people are ready? The way Jesus put it in John chapter 4 was this. He said, you're looking around and you're saying to yourselves, oh, I'll maybe, maybe bring in the harvest in a few months. Um, you know, things aren't quite ready yet. I'll wait a bit. But I say to you, says Jesus, I say to you, the harvest is ready now. The fields are ripe. Go and, and harvest now. Because there are people that if you invite, not all of them, if you invite 10 people, I guarantee There'll be people that say, yeah, I'll come along. And one little tip is, it's quite easy because you're just inviting someone to come to a course. One thing is, say to them, come with me. I'm going to go do this Alpha course thing. Are you interested in joining me? It's much easier for them to come if you say that than saying, oh, there's an Alpha course running at my church. Uh, you should go. <laughs> yeah? You're very, very welcome if you invite someone and they're happy to come then bring them along. Come and join the course as well. Um, do it together. And finally, um, everyone, please pray. This is a significant thing in the life of the church. 
and God, for some reason, chooses to engage us in doing his work with him, and there's power in prayer, and that when we pray, um, he does remarkable things by his Holy Spirit in our hearts and in the lives of those that we love as well. So, um, um, yeah, so come along, invite your friends, and pray. <laughs>